Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold I'm Not Sorry For. And I am so excited today to have my good friend Bree with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. It's going to be such a fun conversation as I told you before we popped on, I'm a little fiery today more than I usually am. And uh, ironically, it's about the subject that we're talking about. So um, when it says to be hot, humble, open and transparent, I try to keep a little uh, what I say, Jesus in me so I don't go off. But whoo, I'm going to try to stay calm and not be too fiery. But we're going to get some raw and real from me today. And I know we always get that from you, Bree, And that's what I love about you. So I'm excited about this. So the show is called Unapologetically Bold. But before we get into it, I'd love for people just to know a little bit about you and who who's Brie? Well, um, Brie is feisty 24-7. So um, <laughs> I'm so glad for you to join me today. <laughs> yep. um, I am a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I am a working mom um, at home right now. I have been for the last decade in learning and development. My biggest passion is in leadership development and really um, allowing people to not have to feel like they have to take their, their work jacket off and put their home jacket back on and, and vice versa and doing those sorts of things. Um, I actually came from internal audit in gaming in Las Vegas. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and I have taken that feistiness and that power that I had to have in order to be in a boys club and taken that into learning and development just to really allow people to become unapologetically bold themselves. I love it. So with that, what are you no longer apologizing for? I am not apologizing and I am not sorry for not joining the boys club. And I love that. And and people are hearing this right now. Oh, great. This is going to be a bash about boys. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's And so I'd love for you to go in just about this. Like, when did it come for you? And I know that we have a few stories that we're going to talk about, but why it's important not to join it and why you're not a, apologizing for it. Well, quite frankly, I'm not a joiner anyways. Um, and I'm not going to join a girls club. I'm not going to join a mom's club. I'm not going to join a boys club. What I'm going to do is make sure that we get rid of the table and have ourselves a nice grassy knoll that everybody is even and it's equitable all the way around. When you start talking about clubs, you're starting to talk about exclusivity mm -hmm. and you're not including everybody who has a voice that is powerful and who can bring some of those transferable skills that they live in their daily lives into the work environment or into your life just as a whole. 
And I think it's so powerful too, is I did a post not too long ago and I know that you commented on it as well. And it was about how I always associated myself with boys because I thought it was less drama and I thought it was like all this stuff. But then to understand whenever I got around people, it didn't matter what your gender is, what your race is. It doesn't matter if you care about being a better human and you care about giving back to the world. We're probably going to get along and you're probably going to be able to give me something that is really going to not only benefit me, but benefit the work and the people around us. You know, it's about who you surround yourself with. And it's not. And I love how you talk about not joining any club. So what got you here? Like, what was you said you're from the Vegas aspect? So I know that is a very high, quote unquote, boy club. So talk about that for a minute. Um, I, I started out working in one of the casinos as an, as an auditor and then moved my way into internal audit for one of the gaming companies in Las Vegas. And I saw that it was, um, very much a who, you know, kind of place. Um, and I've, I even saw, I can't really completely call it a boys club, um, we're just going to use that vernacular just for that stereotype purpose. Mm-hmm. But I even had females who blacklisted me based on just the sheer fact that they didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of them on my very first day of work looked at me and I, I introduced myself and I said, I was happy to be here. And she just straight up looked at me and said, I don't like you and walked away. Um, Mm-hmm. She made it very difficult for me to be able to get jobs in other places. And audit was something that came very naturally to me. And I was very good at it. Um, my nickname ended up becoming the Grim Reaper in internal audit because I specialized in broad investigation and finding um, finding things that, that weren't quite right in the bottom line. And actually ended up getting a couple of um, higher ups fired. So it was it, that sort of thing was known, but yet I still wasn't part of that in crowd and that club that existed. Oh, that makes me think of um, whenever I started my business, I went to, oh, I'm going to say this without calling people out. I went to a certain chamber and I had a conversation with them about how to do business in a certain area. And mm-hmm. it seemed like if you were not in that boys club, because I'm a hunter and I actually hunt with a lot of them. Right. Um, and so I know how to get into their club, but I didn't want it. Like, why not just give somebody a chance? Why did you have to go and spend all this money to be able to get your foot in the door? And it's just like, if you didn't have the money up front or if you weren't a part of it, you, there's no way getting in. But then come to find out, on top of that is I was a girl and, and I went to him and I asked him, I said, so here, here's my issue. Being a female, it seems to be more difficult because if we look at, at who's all running this, they're all men. I was like, what can we do about this? Like, how can we help women? And basically what I was told is, well, in, in about 10 more years, you can do something. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> in 10 more years, why? Because you're going to retire and we can get rid of that way of thinking. Um, yeah, and I'm like, great, retire early. <laughs> do us a favor. My thing, it's like, why do we have to wait? Why can, 
it because it's a norm? Why do we have to just let it be and be comfortable with it? Why can't we push things down? Why can't we deal with it and make a little ruckus? Because I was telling them, like, I'm literally going to other cities and doing my business because I feel like I can't do it here. And a big part of it is my gender. And I understand, like, I got to work my way up. I'm all for that. But I don't understand how I don't get or don't get access or get some chance, just a chance to even put my name in the game because I'm a girl. That shouldn't matter. <laughs> For some reason, the fact that we have boobs is, it's mind-blowing to me that that is our wall that we can't seem to break through. Like, that shouldn't be the case, but it is. So how do we get rid of it and how do we combat it? Well, if you are a strong-willed woman, you're bossy <laughs> or you're bitchy. But when you are a strong man, you are masculine. And we have these societal constructs and these societal norms that just are infiltrated in everywhere. And I, I even notice a difference now being a mom. Because when I was in internal audit, I wasn't a mom. I was just a female. And I cringe at the thought of um, some of the stories that some of the working moms that were in my team, that were on my team, what they had to endure and experience. And just those, those side eye glances of, oh, you got a sick kid, you know, but we have the ability as working moms, and I might be a little more biased about it now because I'm in the thick of it. <laughs> they, uh, I've got some transferable skills that y'all don't have, and I don't need to join your club because I'm just going to make my own, and we'll be good over here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the important part, too, is understanding that they're skills. They really are the things that we can come with, and you're missing out on them. There's so many things that men can do that are different than women and women can do that are different than men. But also it's how we grew up, our raisings. There's so many things that come with the skill level and what we can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it again, it's like you never get a seat at the table. Or here's the other thing, too, is there's what I found in my experience. And, I, and we're all talking about this and people may be dealing with it because the ultimate goal at the end is to talk about how are ways that we can deal with this in the end. but. I've found that sometimes there's only one girl at the table or one woman at the table. I want to call her a girl um, because she won't let anybody else in and she's going to fight. She fought to get there. She did tooth and nails. She's dealt with the bull crap. She's dealt with everything. Um, so, hey, I've earned my spot. You got to go through that hazing. You got to go through that crap instead of pulling somebody else aside and putting them with them. Not exactly. just to the box, but to have somebody. So talk about that for a minute. Like, one, it's frustrating. But what has been your experience with it? <laughs> I got lots of experiences with that. Um, one of which I, I went through, um, and it still traumatizes me to this day. Um, I had a, a boss who, um, on the surface, she seemed very empowering. Um, the very first time I met her, she, 
for an interview, she hugged me and she's like, I just think you're fabulous. I can't wait for you to join. And I knew I had the job and we were going through and everything. And then she started laying a lot of stuff on me that was more than any one person could handle. I ended up working 37 days straight. That included weekends. I missed an entire summer with my children. And it all seemed to be for naught because she sent me this real long email. It was like three pages long. And with telling me that she couldn't tell if I even enjoyed my job, um, what did I like about it, you know, all of this stuff. And so I responded back and turned a three-page email into nine because um, it's what I do. And my position was eliminated the very next day. So mm. when, and, and I had, I had my mentor read my email. I had, um, several people in the learning and development space, read my email, people who knew me, people who didn't know me, just please read this and tell me if I'm being snarky, please let me know. I tried to be as transparent and vulnerable as possible. I took accountability, but I also asked her to take accountability for her shortcomings as well as a leader or lack thereof. And I think that when you start calling people out, those ones who have clawed and who have kissed ass mm -hmm. and who have done everything that they think they need to do in order to be able to get into this elusive boys club, once you start calling them out on it and once you start asking them to be accountable for the things they're doing and ask you asking them, can you at least please get me a folding chair in the corner of the room where the table is? That's when they're threatened by you and that's when they don't want to help. And that's when they eliminate you so they can have somebody with them that toes the line and helps lift them up rather than lifting everybody up at the same time. And that's so true. And I feel like a lot of the listeners, specifically women or even men that have seen this happen to, to women. Um, and then also from the other caveat, I've found too, as a business owner or ways that <laughs> I've had some comments like, well, at least you're pretty like that. Um, you're going to get people to come in and listen to you because you're pretty. And I'm like, and I want to, and I hate that this is one of my, my proudest moments, but two gay guys is the reason why I got my first major contract because it was not about my looks. No, like, it wasn't. It was anything about my looks. It was about my brain and I'm smart. And I, and it's like, I have to prove myself. Like I know what I'm doing. Like, yes. But, and I even told you before this, like I literally messaged one of um, my clients and I said, thank you for not hitting on me. He's like, okay, why is this even a standard? I was like, but it is like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I don't mind that. And I'm used to it. Should I be used to it? I don't know. It's okay. And I don't say, say that as like this braggadocious thing. It's just, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is there, I never want to be known by what I look like. Cause that's going to fade. And I've been in the modeling industry. I know how impactful and hurtful. It can be on your self-image because you have to be perfect. I don't want that. I want no. it on my brain. And that's what I teach my kids. Now I teach my daughter. It, I care what your heart looks like. I care how beautiful your heart is. Because I know way too many beautiful women that are so ugly on the outside that from, from how they perceive that mm -hmm. people come up to them, but then they're just going to walk away. 
They're just going to walk away because they think they own it. And I think that's some of the ugliness that I sometimes can see in a boys club. Yes. And and it's not, again, it's not to call out just the, just the boys, but it, it's that clubbing. It's that siloing. It's mm-hmm. that if you're not, and this is one of the things I talk a lot. I don't want you to be like-minded. I want to be like-hearted. I want to have a mission together. And then we all think differently. Yes. And we all bring our strengths. So all of this, what is something, and I know that you may have another story or two to, to add on to this, but what are some things that we can do as women? Like, how can we eventually get over this crap? Because it's old. <laughs> we, we have to dismantle the clubs. We, we have to just be those people who are like, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to be the person I need to be. And like-minded people are going to start following that. You lead by example. Um, I have a group in Facebook. It's part of my community and it's called the Bad Moms Club. It's not because we are bad moms, but we are because we all screw up. No, but not one of these children came with a manual. (laughs) I'm going to screw it up some point or another. And I joke with them. And if I say something wrong, I look at them and I say, you know what? That therapy session's on me. I'll pay for that one. (laughs) Because it's going to happen. And we are human. There are 526 moms in this group. And that's just within my community, in my neighborhood. There's 1,200 homes in here. We got 526 of the moms that are in this group. We don't have any drama. There's not one element of drama that we have had in here because I lead it that way. They know Bree's not going to put up with the bullshit. So, There won't be, we even had a vaccine post. You can imagine how vitriolic that could have ended up because you've got anti-vaxxers, you've got pro-vaxxers, you've got all of these things. And it was a very respectful conversation all the way down. I saw that there was like 126 comments and I went, oh, we've gone off the rails. What's going to (laughs) happen? I read every one of those comments and everything was respectful and it can be done. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be assholes in order to be able to be in these clubs. We don't have to have a club. I think when we start looking at other people as humans Mm -hmm. and start seeing their hearts and start seeing their brains and start seeing what these beautiful humans are, then we can get rid of the clubs. And we can start going towards being high performing. You start looking at um, Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team, you know, and you go through the storming, the norming, the performing and all of that fun stuff. Do they ever talk about a club? (laughs) Nope. No. Do we ever have to have a club in order to be high performing? Because all you're going to get is homogenous society at that point. Where everybody thinks the same and, oh, my God, that's a great idea. Let's all go and roll in the mud because you said so. Because that sounds great, right? No. It's it's up to us to just dismantle the club and not yeah. subscribe to it. And I think that's so important, too, especially because I'm thinking for my daughter and, and even my son. The, the part that now, because he is a white man, 
or mm-hmm. a white boy, like how he may feel some of the, he may not get some of the things because now we want more inclusion. And I understand that, but also negating some people not getting promise or not getting anything if they work their butt off for it, you know? And that's the thing I love. And what you talk about is everybody coming up, no mm-hmm. matter if it, no matter their race or religion, their gender, what they believe, you know, let them all come and, and dismantle the club. Um, that is something that is, I think, one of the biggest takeaways. But I've never really heard it that way. And I don't know if my listeners have or either. But my one of my final questions for you and, and continuing, because I feel like this is going to be like a five part final question. Um, <laughs> What is one of the things that somebody listening to this can do right now to start dismantling this club so that everyone is welcome? That is a really good question because that's there are so many different things that that people could do. But I think one of the main things is stop trying to join the damn club. Like, you can look around. What is water cooler talk? That's you trying to to fit in. Instead Mm -hmm. of trying to fit in, find somewhere where you feel you belong. There is a complete difference between the two. And when you're spending so much time trying to fit in somewhere, that means that you are trying to emulate those that you see. When you find somewhere where you belong, that's when people start seeing you for you. That's so powerful. And it actually makes me think of, we were doing a 500 piece puzzle the other day. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> me and the family, me and the kids were, and the husband. And, and we were putting them together and there were some pieces that would fit in, but that's not where they belong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like how this is, is that we all have a space and a place. And I sometimes I even categorize us as puzzle pieces. Like we all need each other to connect correctly. And it and it is like, but it's all in the same, we're all painting the same picture. Yeah. We're all coming together. And sometimes we might try to jab ourselves in certain ways, but it doesn't work that way. We may look yeah. the part, we may feel the part, we may feel like know that it should go there, but it doesn't. Nope. Because it's not where we belong. And so understanding that. And I think that's very powerful. And, and continuing as leaders, not just as women, but as leaders mm-hmm. to, to not join these clubs. And I think this is an interesting fact and that I'm seeing a trend of millennials not joining clubs, specifically like the country clubs and joining yes. some of the other things that because we actually had a membership and we and then also one of our friends had it. And I was like, why? Why are we paying this money just to be around people that that we don't mm-hmm. like? We don't like. <laughs> we might we may like their food, <laughs> but it's like it's a gossip party, and it's uh-huh. these like that's not what I'm about. I like to exactly. have fun. I like to learn. I like to grow. And yes, I like to connect. And but my thing is, is I don't come to you to connect to get to get something out of it in aspects of to get into a club, to get into stuff. I connect because I see as a human that is valuable. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's seen as a hurtful trait because we we know so many people and we care and we love, but we don't get down to the dirty and we're not 
the long game, I guess you would say. So talk about that for a minute. Why, why do I need to know everybody's dirt? Um, first off, I don't care. I got enough crap going on in my own house that I don't need to know all of your stuff. But, you know, think about like, like Brene Brown. I absolutely adore her. She is an incredible force of nature. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she has always said that has stuck with me is um, whenever she's having a conversation with her husband and they're having some sort of disagreement or something, she starts it off with the story I'm telling myself. Mm -hmm. And when we start doing that, that's incredibly powerful because we start to realize, okay, that was not a rational thought. I'm getting all up in this because I feel like I have to, and I feel like I need to, and that fear of missing out is happening, but we don't have to be that way. And when we make that conscious effort, then I think we can start getting rid of that long game. I have it's funny. Um, I have a very dear friend of mine. She lives in the community. And optically, because I created this bad moms group within the, the community and I've it, planned event support and stuff, I'll tell you a, about a couple of the events we've done because they're pretty cool. But she was afraid to ask me to go out to dinner. She thought, she's like, I just, I felt like you would be a kindred spirit with me. But she thought that I was going out all the time, doing all this stuff because I was so social. So she invited me and I was like, oh my God, I haven't gone out to dinner in three months. Yes, please. And she's like, what are you talking about? I figured you'd be out with everybody. Aren't you the most popular person? I'm like, just because people know who I am doesn't mean that I'm part of any of the in crowds. I don't function that way. I won't belong to a clique ever. I'm a floater and I'll, I'll come hang out with y'all and then I'll come hang out with you. And I love to be that person because then I get to be the connector too. Mm -hmm. And I get to say, you know what, your personality and your personality, you guys would be great friends. And it's just, it's finding those commonalities with people and connecting them and building relationships that you know will empower and further their growth too. Mm -hmm. And that's something that just becomes so much fun um, with with bad moms. And one of the events that we do is a scavenger hunt. And there's some alcohol involved. Um, in fact, one of the last uh, events that I did, um, I'm, I'm the bartender for it. And so in my house, it smelled like a distillery for a week because I made 10 gallons of mixed drinks for this event. <laughs> Um, and there was not a drop left after, let me just tell you that. And because I'm very inclusive, I let everybody pick which drink they wanted. And I have a vodka drink, a tequila drink and a, a rum drink because college and, you know, some of us, if we smell something, we just can't drink it ever again. So, but it's a scavenger hunt and I give um, clues. And I, I put everybody into teams. The team has a theme for themselves and I give them clues and they have to run to different houses and do activities. Um, dizzy bat, um, sip, sip shot, all sorts of different things. Um, we had, um, oversized Jenga, different things like that. And it's a race back to the clubhouse where we have food catered and, and all of this sort of stuff. I mean, it's a huge event. 
But I had a lot of moms direct messaging me saying, hey, hey, can, can you make sure she's on my team? And that is my number one rule. Absolutely not. <laughs> you, I literally draw names out of a hat. And that is the group that you're in. And y'all can meet up afterwards if you guys are best friends and want to have the warm and fuzzies. But for the purposes of the, of the group, you're meeting with people so that you can grow your circle. And so that that way you can become one of those people and one of those moms who emulates to their children how to dismantle the club. Because you are even with everybody. You're learning how to work in different groups rather than siloing yourself into cliques. And I think that's something that is incredibly important and a good learning moment for everybody that's involved. That's so powerful and so cool. And it actually makes me think of whenever I do leadership events, I have that same rule. Doesn't matter if you're the VP, if you're the president, if you're the COO, <laughs> you nope. got to pick from that. You got to exactly. pick from the bucket and you get a number. Whatever number you are, you cannot trade your number. No. And I don't care if you have appointments. I don't care if you have time. You need to invest in the people around you. You need, and I understand a lot of these were healthcare or, well, they're healthcare. So mm -hmm. I understand that you have to be pulled away, but you don't have to be pulled away for everything. And trust nope. me, if it is a, if it is something that is so bad that I call it um, a fire, something's on fire, mm -hmm. I'll probably know about it before yep. you do. Because <laughs> um, they're going to let me know because I'm going to see a little ruckus and, and we'll make sure that you get the information right then and we will, whatever needs to be done. But until then. You're mine. Be here. Be, here, <laughs> be in this moment. Yes. And I think it's so important, too, because what they're missing is because they're not with their clicks or they're not with it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's OK. You may actually one of my favorite things that we do is actually kind of like a scavenger hunt like that. But it's like with random facts about the uh, leadership that or whoever's there. So it's usually a leadership event and they have to figure out who's who And they like one person spoke nine languages and you would never assume it was that person that spoke nine languages. And it also goes with all our assumptions and biases that we have as well. Yes. Um, but it's so interesting with those and how you can bring people together. And it doesn't have to be a boys club. It does not have to be a girls club. It doesn't have to be any club. Nope. It could be everybody just being humans. If you're going to be anything, just be a part of the human race and be a pretty dang good human along the way. So, ah, oh, so Final, final two-part question. Um, <laughs> um, people are apologizing for not joining the boys club. What would you tell them or any club? What would you tell them? Be yourself and be part of the human race. Um, I'm, I'm married to a black man and, but he doesn't, sometimes people think he's poly and um, he's gotten people walk by him and go, what, what are you? Which that's a whole nother conversation too of like, do you, that's pretty bold. <laughs> Just walk up to somebody. But it's happened before. And when people ask him that, he says, or what race are you? He says, human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because one, it's none of your damn business. And two, that is the race that we are. 
and that's where we are and that's where we live and that's where we need to just settle ourselves in. So if there's anybody who's sitting there trying to claw them their way into the boys club, I don't have any kind of feisty thing to say to them. I just want to hug them. Mm-hmm. Say it's okay. Settle into yourself, be good with yourself and be happy with yourself. Because once you do that, then you can start to see that that club is not worth anything. And all it's going to do is it's going to take away a piece of you that was beautiful so that you can become somebody else that you don't need to be. Ah, that's so true. And it's a saving grace more times than not Mm -hmm. that it really is of just being who you are, who you're made to be and, and living that out. And so final question of this is how can people reach out to you. They love what you you said and they just want to get to know you more or learn more about what you do and maybe you might could help them. How could they connect with you? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, Brie Burden. Um, I don't have any fancy names or anything like that. My profile is open um, and just come find me. I'd love to talk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for all that listen. This is such an amazing and dynamic conversation. I, and I, and my, my hope and my prayer is that somebody really got something from this and not just having the knowledge with it now, but knowledge and action is wisdom and, and making it a wise action follow through. When you see this, no matter who you are, if you if you see you're a part of it, call it out. But if you see that you may want to join it or be a part of it, ask yourself why first and then see how. You could do it possibly differently and not. And the other thing I see is sometimes it may be seem as the easier route. But in the long run, it's not. In the long run, it is. It is not the easiest thing. I promise. Well, I appreciate you so much. Y'all have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.